0: Shannon, how's it going? Welcome to the show.
1: Hi Jordan, thank you for having me.
0: Yeah, it's a treat. Uh, you are the, at this current moment, the most requested podcast guest. So it's an, it's an honor for me. I mean, it's nice that we're doing this finally. I get a lot of uh, recommendations that I should have you on. And so here we are.
1: Wow, that's a huge compliment. Thank you.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, let's not, you know, let's make sure the podcast is good first before we get all the compliments <laughs> out. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> Awesome. So we've been following each other for a bit and i know you a little bit and actually the more i dove into whenever i have a podcast guest on i just completely binge their content like back to like sometimes i'll like look up from my phone and it's like 2014 i'm like ah shit like this isn't even relevant Any, i can't pick on any content from then but uh really felt like i got to know you a lot more on this deep dive and and really think that it would be fun to just kind of kick things off with a little bit about your story um you have a really awesome one and uh i think the listeners would really love to hear about it so i'd love to for you to just give us that to kick things off
1: okay perfect so um basically well first off i'm a mom, a wife, and a a nurse. Um, Been an oncology nurse for about 20 years now. Um, And now a nutrition coach and personal trainer all online. Um, My personal transformation started basically uh, 2015, 2016. The starting point for me was, um, a wake up call when I was having my personal, um, like, uh, health assessment, physical at my job for nursing. We had to do those to determine if we were like, what tier we were going to qualify into with our health insurance based off of like, you know, how healthy you were. So, um, at that time i was about 40 pounds heavier than i am now and um, that was a huge wake-up call for me because um, i had determined that my bmi was out of range my cholesterol was high um all kind of stemming from the fact that i you know i was a mom uh stresses from life mom life um anxiety, depression, being on different meds, I had gained a lot of weight kind of in a short amount of time. Um, I always had been an active person. Um, I had been even weightlifting at that time. I kind of grew up always being active. My parents were in the gym, so that was a normal thing for me to do, but I had never like ever attempted to do anything with my food or nutrition. I always had been able to just eat whatever I wanted, um, and kind of maintain this just like, okay, wait. And you know, years of that going by that caught up with me. So that was a huge wake up call for me when I had that done, um, realizing that, okay, my cholesterol is high. Um, and now I'm having to pay like a higher premium on my health insurance because of my choices. That was my spark to change. Um, I started, you know, I knew I needed to change what I was eating and, um, it wasn't quite ready to like dive into like tracking food and getting super aggressive like that. So I just started intuitively eating better doing that. I had lost, um, you know, roughly 30 pounds over years. Like it didn't, it wasn't anything quick. Um, As that process went on, I started to feel better about myself and life and everything was better with more activity and eating better. Uh, I decided to kind of dive further into it with macro tracking, uh, just doing things on my own. I didn't really know a lot about what I was doing, but um, went into it and had a lot of success with that. My, I, at that time I started kind of documenting my journey on Instagram, which then people started to take notice of the changes. So that is when I got further into, you know, getting certified with coaching and stuff and then coaching other women. Um, so that's kind of how the process all started. Um, you know, along the way I, um, kind of changed my thinking a lot, a lot of it at that time was more about getting lean and, um, you know, shrinking down, um, kind of along the way, realizing that, you know, I wasn't the happiest at that time. And um, I actually had a injury a couple of years ago, I herniated my disc in uh, 2020, and that was like a huge game changer for me as far as like um focusing more on um being thankful for my health and my body and wanting to fuel my body properly and how can i perform best in the gym so i feel like in the last couple years i'm really have reached this like pinnacle of like figuring it all out and having like the best of both worlds type thing so that's kind of the
0: you know, the, the short version. Yeah. No, that's so many things I want to talk about. The first is that I I crack up at the, I crack up at the health insurance thing, just this, like a, this premium of like you getting like a blood work done and then them deciding like how healthy you are and thus, you know, how much do they, you know, when do they think you're more or less likely to die and how much do they want to insure you? Um, I crack up because that, that testing process is still just in like, ancient neanderthal like we have not upgraded that um there's the fact that you mentioned like high cholesterol like yeah like high cholesterol and bmi are two of like the biggest indicators uh in terms of like you getting better or worse uh uh, insurance there and it's like high cholesterol is the most ancient out of whack like terribly nondescript uh uh, metric now not to go too deep on the cholesterol thing but that kills me if your client like you could have somebody with 250 cholesterol, which is like high cholesterol, and that person could be totally healthy. You could have somebody with right. less cholesterol, not healthy. Um, how can we combine two numbers, one of which that generally speaking, if it goes up is bad and generally speaking, if it goes up to a certain point is good. I think it's ludicrous. And the BMI thing, again, listen, I understand what they're trying to do. They're trying to pick a bunch of metrics that that – Correlate, at least in a directional sense, with health. I understand that. Um, but I still think that it just needs a massive. It's, it's as if nobody who works at that company understands the actual metrics that they're using because they could do a whole lot better. Um, they could do a whole lot better, I think. And, and honestly, it would make them more money. Like, I mean, the whole point is for them to right. have an accurate description of how healthy you are. So that part kills me, but we don't need to talk too much on that. But that is an interesting impetus for you to change. Of like, it, it, sometimes it does take this objective. You know whether health is so objective or not. This was like in a moment where you were like told almost, um, or or had to come face to face with the idea of like, oh, am I taking care of myself or not? And and so that that's right. that's a pretty cool thing. I think a lot of people look for, you know, uh, I think that that can be a powerful driver for change I and mean, underrated. A lot of times people will. I'm not saying fear, but you know, the actual fake coming face to face with like actual health implications. I'm sure there are people listening to this that were like, yeah, this is, you know, I saw my parents go through something or I got a health scare and that made me turn things around. And so that's pretty cool in the sense that you actually went about going and making those changes. Um, and, and I think when you said, okay, you started telling your story on Instagram and sharing with everyone and, and for like, any coach or content creator out there who's listening like that is so basic and important like i mean basic in a good way it's like so important to just show people what you're doing and tell your story i mean people really latch on to that i mean that that is how i first knew you i was like wow look she had an amazing transformation and now she goes on and she preaches some things that i really really love um and then the thing i want to talk a little bit more is this transition of like the initial thing that you wanted was to be smaller, right? You were like, okay, I got into, you know, eating more whole foods and eventually found what, found out what calories were and macros were and um, started losing weight. And you started getting like a very tangible return on your investment. You're like, well, if I do the work, I lose the weight. This is something I can really latch onto. I like that, I, you know, there's this tangible return on my investment in terms of effort. And then eventually you, pro- I, I want you to tell me, but like, did you get to a point where you were like, at what point were you like, oh shit, like this just getting smaller thing, this, this ain't it. Like, this isn't the only thing. Like, was there a moment that clicked for you where you're like, okay, I can't just keep trying to get smaller. This isn't the end goal anymore.
1: Right. So, um, kind of right before I had gotten injured, I, I had kind of considered myself maintaining, like I, I wasn't one of those people who was stuck in a diet, but, um, I think I could have pushed myself a lot farther as far as building my calories up, but, um, you know, I, I didn't know a lot about, um, um, nutrition periodization and stuff. So I, I was just starting to grasp on that, but I couldn't figure out like, you know, I look good, but I'm not really gaining any muscle. I'm, I'm not getting stronger in the gym. I'm like lifting the same weight forever and ever. Um, it wasn't, it wasn't like clicking with me, like what was the missing component, which was the food. So again, um, it's, it took me having to get injured to um, see that kind of process go for, full circle. Um, when I was injured, I was, was severely depressed and in a lot of pain. And I lost a lot of weight unintentionally from being in deficit from that. Um, and so when I recovered, I was like, I looked a mess. Like I was very thin, very flat. Um, I was basically bound and determined to get out of that place. So I just started eating. Like I was like, I'm not going to be tracking. I'm just going full force into eating and getting my body back. Um, so along that way, just starting to realize how you know impactful food was on that process in my my gym energy. I'm finally able to like lift heavier. Um, my body is finally changing. It, it was just so eye, eye opening for me. Um, and that's like my biggest thing that I'm trying to preach to, to women now. It's like, if you can fuel yourself to perform your best in the gym you end up getting the results you're ultimately after, you know, I mean, it's, you're building that muscle. Um, there's always a time to lose fat. You know, you can do that. Um, but it's, it's, I think most women are off after the change of getting more tone and that takes the food. So, um, so yeah, it was a bit, The, the injury itself was like the best and worst thing to happen to me because I feel like if it didn't happen, I would still kind of be stuck in this place where I'm thinking I'm just supposed to be eating at this maintenance level of food that probably was not really enough for me and just never changing and going on and on and on. So,
0: yeah, that's interesting that the, that there was an injury here that, that kind of was, um, it's interesting, like getting injured and losing muscle was the first time you were ever probably faced with like that. That would be it. that you cared about the muscle that much, and you're like, "Well, I lost this muscle. I right. lost my strength." And there was this first moment of like, "Oh shit, I actually care about that stuff. I don't want to lose it." Um, right. And so that's really cool. I like that. You now that definitely is no, that happens. I think that happens sometimes with like recently. I've had a lot of people have that discussion with COVID, and so people are like, "Well, coming back from COVID." And having, you know, I'm weaker or something like I like this general increase in in how much people care about the fact that they've lost strength. You know, people are, right. I get just as many questions about more about people saying, oh, I'm coming back from COVID. I feel so weak. I don't, you know, I can't lift the weight instead of people like, oh, I had COVID and I ate like shit. And, and, and obviously maybe you lose appetite or whatever. But I, I'm more, con- I'm, I'm happy to see more people concerned with that. Oh, I lost muscle. I lost strength. And that's something I don't want because that is something I care about. Um, yeah, I think that that's super important. Everybody like um, gets to a point, I think, and you you said it. I mean, listen, there's a time and a place for fat loss. Fat loss is allowed to be part of your goals if you have uh, excess body fat, and you know, losing some of that body fat gives you some better combination of life and health. And absolutely, I mean, you and I both agree. Go do that. That's great. Um, right. But it's not the be all end all. And and if you're listening to this and you're at a point and you said this where like you haven't seen physical change or you're lifting the same weights and you're kind of just going through the motions and how long you know listen you might first of all by the way that's totally great and if you're healthy and you're strong and you don't have the the idea of getting more out of this is not something that's interesting you that's fantastic by the way I, I would rather more people take up that approach of like I just want to be healthy that's great but if you do and you're feeling frustrated like people will be like oh I haven't my, you know, I haven't been able to grow my blank you know, or haven't seen my bench go up or what my squat go up. And I'm like, when is the last time you gained weight? Like, you know, There's so many factors, but one of them is like, when is the last time your body was actually fueled adequately? And, and in this case, adequately actually probably means a surplus for the kind of person mm-hmm. who's been lifting for a very long time. And so that right. part always cracks me up. People are like, how do I grow my blank? I'm like, well, wh- when's the last time you gained weight? They're like, no, no, I, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about strength. I'm like, I know, I know. I'm, I'm talking about gaining strength and muscle via actually eating more. Um, and so that definitely, that definitely rings true. Um, I want to, I want to touch a little bit on, on nurse life. Um, I'm not sure. Okay. As an oncology nurse, um, PS amazing. Yes. It's amazing, amazing job. You do an amazing thing. And Thank um, you. what was that like as a lifestyle? Maybe uh in the earlier years of doing it and how did that kind of mesh or not mesh with your fitness lifestyle I, we're going to talk a little bit more about like deficit stuff and gaining phase in a bit definitely so if you're here for that stick around we will but that's something that just interests me especially cuz Jenna is going to is starting mm-hmm. being an EMT in 7 days and so we are having this discussion i have many clients who have shift work so were you doing overnights were you doing you know were you obviously you guys are working super long hours like how were you kind of managing that
1: Yeah. So, um, you know, when I first graduated college, I did, um, night shift and, um, you know, night shift is really tricky. It can kind of go like two ways for some people. So for myself, it was, um, basically sleeping my entire, you know, non-working hours. And then at work eating like one huge meal a day, like a thousand calorie meal. But that was like all I was consuming for the whole day. Um, I had lost quite a bit of weight when I became a new nurse. Um, People were kind of concerned about me. I know my my parents were a little concerned. I was like under 100 pounds. I had kind of like that college weight on me and then had lost, but I wasn't like a big person to begin with. So um, it it was really tough managing that. Um, I know a lot of people kind of go the opposite way where, they, they don't sleep a lot during the day, like people who have kids and stuff. So then they're like, you know, they're eating all night, they're eating during the day, you you know, people don't understand to when you're you're not sleeping, you're constantly looking for energy with food. So you just tend to be overeating in that way. Um, so for me, it, it took a lot of intention to make sure I was like fueling my body, especially like, you know, if you know you're going into a shift, and um, this is a big thing for nurses where they they don't have time to eat, they don't get breaks, Um, it's very busy. If you are having a situation like that, it's like you got to go into your job fueled as possible. You shouldn't be like, you know, waking up and just drinking coffee on your way to work and not eating. It's like, you have to be prepared with a full full stomach. Um, When I... Personally, work now, I, I pack, like my bag is enormous. I am packing in a, you know, more than enough food than I probably need, but I just want to make sure that I have a ton of options on me. Um, again, it kind of matter. It just depends on like where I'm at with what I'm doing. Like I did a cut in the fall. So like when I'm in a cut, I'm totally dialed into that and um, turn off all like snacking, uh, outside influences. I'm, I'm able to like, just shut that off. So I know during those times, it's like, I'm not going to be influenced by work treats because, you know, most nurses are getting a lot of like treats and snacks from patients. Sometimes we also have these like fully stocked pantries that are like crazy full of food and snacks. So that's, you know, kind of enticing. But, um, so during deficits, I'm, I'm like, this is my bag. This is what I stick to, you know, and, and keep to that. Other times, like I'm in maintenance now, I'm not even tracking really right now. It's like, okay, it's probably okay to have a cookie or a donut at work. You know, like, that's not the end of the world. I'm not going to do that every shift I work, but, um, you know, I don't get, you know, I don't get caught up with thinking things like that are going to destroy my progress um you know going back to the thing where people say they can't eat uh they don't get breaks i know a lot of nurses don't get breaks i've never personally worked a job like that uh we always get a lunch break but you know i always tell people it's like you have to have these filling snacks available that you can like you know go take a second run into the kitchen pantry the bathroom whatever and like eat something um it's just I don't know the excuse of of not eating. You got to figure it out. I th- I feel like everybody has like two minutes just to run into a room because a lot of times we can't eat out into at the stations and in front of people, especially now with COVID and stuff. It's it's not okay to do that. But um, you know, taking the time to do that, staying hydrated is another thing because a lot of people are getting super dehydrated at work or wearing this mask all day. And, you know, again, then it's like, you know, are you hungry or do you just need to drink some water? Um, uh, The other thing is um, people who say they aren't eating at work, I encourage them to maybe before, you know, bring a meal with them. And um, as they're getting ready to leave their shift, heat up that food and eat that food on the way home so then when you are like on your way home or you get there you aren't like completely ravenous and looking for everything in sight to eat and just you know maybe having crazy choices so it's just it's about being prepared and um you know like i said there's a time and a place for everything like if you're at a point where you're just maintaining or you're in surplus, then yeah, it's probably fine to be going out to like, you know, we order food a lot, the group and stuff. It's like, yeah, partake in that stuff here and there, but you know, does it need to be every day? Probably not. And if you are in a fat loss stage, it probably needs to involve you bringing your food that you've tracked and logged and make sure fits your puzzle.
0: Wow. It's a ton of good stuff there. And I have, I know there are a lot of nurses, a lot. I know at least several nurses who listen to this podcast and some of them are my clients. And it is, I'll start by saying a couple of things. One, it's nurses do an amazing job. That is an incredibly difficult job. And hold on, I'm getting a phone call. Turn that off. Um, and it's an incredibly difficult job. And um it's an incredible incredibly admirable job and it's not easy um and i would say that even in a best case scenario if you're doing some shift work overnights etc like there is only a make the best of it mentality this is you're not going to make this um you know a normal routine you're not going to be in an optimal state ever i mean that is the the choice that you make to do this to do this job and it's amazing and, and i'm very grateful for those people but it's funny cuz uh Martin McDonald's like a mentor of mine always like in his course that we took he's like the best thing you can do for your shift work clients is like help them get a new job. Like there all of the things that you can do which we we go over and I'm thinking of a couple clients now that we go in depth with this. All the things that we do is definitely with a make the best of it mentality but it's never going to be in an optimal setting. And so that's at right. least the first thing to understand is like this is you need to be making the best of it because even if you make the best of it it's still not the best scenario ever. Um Exactly. And and unfortunately there's a lack of consistency, which, which bugs me. And I'm just going to get that off my chest that like when we look at the way you guys get like a schedule, like uh, I've seen a wide array of that in terms of different mm-hmm. places where people work and different jobs that they have within the hospital. Um, but if there was just some consistency in the schedule, it would be a whole lot easier to quote, make the best of it. So if you're working like overnight, 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 and then off, 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 like say so like three on, like say four off or two on two off two on three off or something like that. But at least if it was, consistent every single week, then you could at least get into some sort of, albeit, you know, weird circadian rhythm. You could at least get into a pattern where you understand, you know, I eat now, I don't eat now. I caffeinate now, I don't caffeinate now. Maybe I lightly right. supplement with melatonin here to reset circadian rhythm. And then, you know, I use these kind of circadian cues to kind of get myself back on track. I don't eat during these hours. I do eat during... The, the problem that I see is just like this inconsistency. It's like one week well, I'll work really hard with the client to set up an eating schedule. And it, I think when to eat, when to sleep, when to train are like three of those questions of like, okay, how do I make the best of this? And unfortunately, it's just not consistent. It kills me because like every week it's like, well, actually, you know, I'm not doing that this week. I have a night into a break, into a day shift, into a night shift this week. And it's like, well, shit, yeah. Like, if we could just get you guys on a consistent, I know it's not easy. It's very understaffed as a whole. And there's there's like, you guys aren't really given the best uh how do i say that just not not really something that is taken care of in the best way for you guys and i wish it was um but i liked something you said about this is a really high temptation job for a couple of reasons one because your circadian rhythm is already fucked which means that like on average you're going to be dealing with some amount of higher ghrelin level maybe from poor sleep and then also just maybe general lack of like uh you know inability to to Um, say no sometimes. Let's say willpower or whatever we want to call it. Yeah. Um, And it, it just seems that... It just seems a little bit like, you know, I like that you said in this world of really high temptation that sometimes just turning that switch off for you. You know, if you're... You know, I was a personal trainer and it's not the same, but when you were kind of describing this, you know, steal, you know, not having a lunch break and, and stealing a, a two second break to, to go to the bathroom and, and eat something or something. That is how I lived the first 10 years of my fitness career of like a 10 of like 10 straight hours of clients, let's say. Um, mm-hmm. And when I say I mean literally back to back to back to back to back. And I would be in the closet, you know, between sessions um eating a bite of food, for example, and I would just right. work through one meal the whole day. Now I'm not advocating yep. that, by the way. I actually think that that's not a great strategy for most people. What you said is kind of like, make it so convenient. Like I, I'm obsessed with the Chobani, like complete yogurt drinks. If you follow me, I post them every two yeah. seconds. Like go to the right. fucking bathroom and pound two of those in 45 seconds and you can come back to work. I'm not saying it's that easy, but I, I, like, that you're, I like that you're a little bit more on the edge of like, hey, listen, you can get it done. And mm-hmm. if you need to kind of turn off that switch, I think in a world of high temptation, which nurses live in, which you're right, there's a fully stocked pantry, people giving you treats all the time. This is something that I deal with every day with clients. It's like, there's always something available. Nobody's bringing a veggie tray to work. Nobody, nobody's, nobody's hooking you guys up with a veggie or fruit plate. Yeah. Um, And so you combine that highly palatable, high calorie food with this, like my circadian rhythm is fucked. And I'm probably always hungry and always tired. um, That it's not a match made in heaven. And so maybe, Turning off that switch, like you said, especially if you're in a deficit, uh, can be ah, people don't like that because that's like a black and white, don't eat this, you can't eat this mentality. But there, that mentality only manifests if you view this as a forever thing. Like if we're talking about short-term right. fat loss, like, you know, you have to be in a state of really internalizing that this is temporary. You're not, we're not talking about, I'm not talking about never having a donut at work again. I'm talking about maybe if this goal is important right now, just turning that switch off. And like you said, one thing that's helped, um, Chase, what up? Shout out. I know, I don't know if you know Chase. Um, he is also a, a coach. Chase is amazing. He's a nurse um okay and we just started kind of working on this packing your food in like a to-go lunch box ice pack whatever that's what you eat that's everything in there you can eat at any time and if you like you said if you're on your way home it's still what's in this pack is what you're eating now again some flexibility but there is a nice amount of like sometimes going a little bit more black and white turning off that snacking switch can be super helpful
1: right yeah and i mean I love the like if if it fits your macros lifestyle um, and the idea behind that, but I do believe that certain depending on what stage you're in, you know, you do have to still modify your choices so that you can stay um, satisfied and uh, fueled during that time. Um, I, I think I personally just feel like trying to fit in cookies and donuts and stuff where in deficit is probably not the smartest choice and where a lot of people go wrong, you know, they're like, well, it fits my macros. It's like, okay, yeah, but like how does the rest of your day going to look because of that choice? So it's pretty hard to stay on track and not go over when you're busting your macros with something big like that. Um, So again, it's like, you know, it's just about making... You know, you like you said, it's supposed to be short term. It's not supposed to be like you're you don't not allowed these foods for life. It's like get it done, get out, and then move on to being being able to add those you know more treats in.
0: I, I'm when I when I think of myself in a deficit, I am way more and i don't like the word scared but let's use it just for the second here i'm way more scared of being hungry than i am about the idea of never eating these foods again like i'm that idea of never eating these foods again does not cross my mind the the idea of being hungry and that affecting my day-to-day my ability to show up as a as a coach as a as a boyfriend as a son as a friend like that yeah. to me is what i'm more averse to and so and i think of this being in a deficit it's like, I'm not worried about never having the cookie again. Like I know that that's yes. a life that I will live. Now I think this is like a, a very important thing. It's it's hard to know that. Like it's easy for me and you to know that because we've done maintenance, we've done building phases, we've done gone through this these periodization of eating sometimes more and sometimes less and sometimes maintenance. But if you've never spent significant time at maintenance where you can regularly at you know in moderation within your calories include these foods, then you don't know that that exists. Now I think of pasta. Right. Pasta is a food that is like it's a, in a maintenance and a build is something I lean on heavily because it's not very satiating. It is delicious and I need to eat more calories. And so it's something I lean into, but in a cut, I absolutely cannot, cannot, I choose not to have it because I know it is so not satiating and I can eat just 800 calories of it and never feel one ounce fuller. And so Mm -hmm. I don't eat pasta in a cut and it just, to be able to not eat that something in the cut, you need to also know that you can eat it later. And so there's like, yes. there's a lot of people listening to this that don't under, literally don't, don't really connect not with not what It's meant to saying. be forever. Yeah. So,
1: and I think pe- people have that idea all wrong that you start a diet and then you just live in a diet and then you're supposed to like, you know, eat these low calorie foods forever and um, they never figure out the balance of any of it and it just an endless cycle cycle of being stuck. Really?
0: They've never, a lot of people have never put forth the type of effort and intent that they do during a deficit during a maintenance period yeah it's like every right. time they they every time they start giving a shit about their nutrition it's to lose fat if you gave yeah. a shit about your nutrition and when i say nutrition i don't just mean the nutrition quality i mean the overall enjoyment of your nutrition everything that comes with having good relationship with food and and fueling yourself adequately and f- fruits and vegetables and fiber and protein do all of that stuff for six months and d- try not to lose any weight and see how amazing life is at that point because once you see how amazing that life is you can temporarily put that life on hold for fat loss knowing that you'll be, be returning back to this amazing life. And so that is like yep. a lot of people will come to me and they're like, you know, listen, when somebody hires a, you too, i I'm sure when when somebody hires a coach, they're usually not always, but usually right on the cusp of wanting to make a big change. And that's like usually like, All right, I'm ready to lose fat. I'm going to hire a coach. And then first thing we do is like, OK, we could do that, but I need to assess. Do you have that? what we're talking about right now, this mentality of like, are you going to be able to really internalize that this is temporary? Have you done enough maintenance really where we'll be able to increase our, our weight retention statistics are horrendous. I mean, you know, people want Mm -hmm. to throw the 95% stat. That's obviously not true, but um, one of the reasons we're not so great is because we haven't actually learned to live first so that we can temporarily put that living aside for fat loss. It's like, it's really, it's like a cart before the horse mentality for sure.
1: Right. Yeah. That's something I have been kind of implementing with clients now is just ensuring that they, um, have really truly been living at maintenance before we tackle fat loss. Um, I just, I see way too many people, they, they think that they're, they're overeating or they're eating at maintenance. And then, you know, turns out you start tracking and stuff and it's like, yeah, we're not even close, you know, they're just kind of constantly floating around that like half diet stage. So um, that's been big for me is like, really, before I'm taking people on or we're, or we're starting with maintenance, we're getting good at tracking and learning about food and maintenance when things are not so, you know, critical, I guess. And yeah. Um, <laughs> we get that down and then, then we can try fat loss. So that's, that's worked well for a lot of people. A lot of people, um, just in general, they come out of deficit and the reason they think their diet fails is because they don't know how to live in maintenance. They, they get sloppy in the reverse, they get sloppy in maintenance and their maintenance is really a surplus. So that's why they're gaining back all sorts of weight. It's like, you know it still takes intention it still takes some restriction you know it isn't a free for all it isn't like you just get to eat whatever you want when you want so you know it's like the idea behind all of that kind of needs a lot more education
0: yeah and this idea of uh i can eat whatever i want when i want is is a utopia that probably just doesn't exist in today's modern food environment i mean this is like an idea that like our ancestors probably grew up with i I mean honestly the interesting not to go too deep but like uh, we are biologically hardwired to eat beyond fullness you know there's a reason there's a delayed satiety signal yeah well that too that's more modern that's like modern like parental uh, you know clean your plate clean your plate but i'm talking about like like evolved over the last million years to eat everything in sight that's available to you there's probably a reason that there's a delayed satiety effect where like you, it takes time for those satiety signals to reach the brain to tell you that you're full. There's probably a reason for that, so that we can eat beyond sit, when we're actually fully satiated and satisfied. Because food was at some point probably much more scarce, and we sure. were we were hardwired to say, hey, if we don't eat this all now, you know, if we stop when we're 80% full, which might be a you know a, a piece of advice that you'll hear thrown around these days, which is a vague nondescript thing. But let's say you you know let's say we were subscribe to that like that would be a terrible idea for our biology right, right? We, we would have never done that and so whatever exactly. anyway moving quickly before we go into like you know okay well, I want to ask you two things one about uh buying bigger clothes when you're in or, or the idea of needing other clothes let's say bigger clothes are not fitting as well in your clothes in a muscle building phase and also about when to end a deficit but just for just out of curiosity when you are in a cut um people love this discussion of like well you're going to work for 12 hours well, what do you bring what are some things that work for you
1: Um, so, um, my lunch bag is huge and, um, I love stuff like, um, yogurts. I'm doing like the Siggy's yogurt. I've in my, along my years too, I have tried to transition to even when I'm in deficit to stay away from typical dieting type foods, like sugar-free stuff. So that's been like kind of my own personal growth over the last year. Um, so sticking with the same types of yogurts I was eating in maintenance, I'm just doing in deficit. Um, I also love Ezekiel bread. I love the um, the English muffins. Um, I usually pack uh, a thing of a big thing of celery, a thing of fruit. Um I eat a lot of those, um, macro prepped meals, um, by Herculean. That's like saved me. I am not a, most people who follow me know that I do not cook very often. Um, I rely on a lot of takeout food and pre-made meals. So those save me at work. Um, handfuls of almonds I'll pack, um, I'm not big into protein bars or shakes, but you know, that's, you know, to each their own. Um, I do like the, um, like you mentioned the Chobani shakes and then also like the fair life drink. I'll drink those every once in a while. Um, and just, you know, always, I usually bring a sparkling water, but then I'm drinking regular water there. Um, and sometimes I drink a half of a, kombucha bottle a day i'll usually sometimes bring that there so it's just always having something available
0: yeah do you do you and i'm asking you specifically so i don't want people to take this as if it's a your generalized advice but let's say you're packing this bag does any part of you in that moment think well i gotta pack a treat i gotta pack something that's like a cherry on top of these these very satiating gold meals like meals it's clear that when you're packing this bag you're thinking this is like a deficit bag where you're like i'm packing higher volume higher protein higher satiety foods is there any part of you that gets to the end of that and is think okay i'm good i'm also going to pack these like reese's cups or and then there's nothing wrong with that by the way just before you even answer there's nothing wrong with that there's nothing wrong with some amount of that um and there will be a different level of this answer for everybody but i'm asking you personally is there is there a part of you that gets to the end it's like yeah but i'm also going to pack this blank
1: Yes, definitely. Like I, you know, just again, depending on where I'm at, I, I love the little like, um, rice crispy treat, um, packages. I'll pack one of those. Those are not that high in calories. Um, I also eat like a little cookie bar. It's by grab the goal. That's like a chocolate chip cookie bar that has, um, you know, some fiber and stuff in it to me that tastes like a dessert. I eat those like in and out of deficit. So, um, yeah, I'm definitely not opposed to packing treats. Um, I think treats are important. I eat a, I eat dessert every night, whether I'm in deficit or whatever, just, you know, the, the dessert will change depending on where I'm at. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that's part of staying successful is like making sure you're satisfying those different those different cravings.
0: Cool, yeah, I I like that. I think even for you though, I think even me asking that question, I had anticipated you saying no, but it's nice to hear that even you after discussing like kind of turning off the snacking switch that there's an amount for you that is still within the realm of the word helpful, where it's like, yeah, this doesn't throw me off a ton, but it's also nice. And so like your food, should you should enjoy your food in a deficit. You should. And if that means, like you said, having a lot of higher volume, more plain foods, but then also occasionally throwing in something that tastes really good, like that's great. And, and everyone's going to have a, a certain balance. I think we would both agree that like, if you're focusing a lot a lot, like let's say you're like somebody who like tracks the night before, like if you're if you're focusing a lot on the amount of stuff you can fit in and really flex that if it fits your macros mentality. And a lot of times I think of alcohol, like I'll have a lot of people like trying to fit in alcohol. And it's like, if you're spending a lot of effort on trying to fit in, you know, Je- so Jenna kills me, she cracks me up. She For the first like two weeks of the deficit that she's in, she was really trying to fit in a 370 calorie ice cream sandwich from Trader Joe's, which by the way is the is literally crack cocaine. It's the best thing ever. It's oh so God. amazing. I and shouldn't know about that. They're unbelievable. <laughs> the cookie is like medium rare. It's like barely cooked. It's oh. frozen and it comes out still not cooked. It's amazing. Um, and like it just you know uh, after like a couple of weeks of like trying to fit it in, she was like, well, I don't feel good during the day because I'm saving the 400 calories for this not satiating, not nutritious thing. Uh, and so there's some element of like, okay, switching to from a 370 thing to like maybe yaso or something like that. It's like 100 calories, so I can put those 270 calories elsewhere, so I can feel better throughout the day. It's like finding that balance of like, what is the right amount of you know uh, m- like mouth pleasure to try and fit in in mm-hmm. your deficit is it is an interesting thing. Yeah.
1: Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I, I have to have doses of sweets throughout the day. So no matter what, where I'm at, those are gonna, they're gonna fit, but they're definitely modified, you know, based off of where I'm at. Thankfully, um, you know, my deficit calories, this last one I did, they didn't get that low. I was like in the 1800s. So I felt like I still had plenty plenty of food choices. So it was it was good, it was comfortable.
0: Awesome. All right, let's pivot. I wanna talk about um, buying bigger clothes in a muscle building phase or even just a muscle building mindset of not being in the fat loss phase. I'll hear a lot of times like um, just this, you know, when we talk about like people, let's say you're going to a muscle gain phase for the first time, you're realizing, hey, this is I want to gain weight, uh, or I want to gain muscle, whatever. Um, and then all of a sudden, you're confronted with like putting on an old pair of clothes that don't fit as well. Maybe they're a little bit more snug. Like, how how are you walking yourself through this phase for you? Because I I came across a post of yours where you discussed this happening to you, and I'd love to hear what goes on in your mind, and maybe even practical things you do, because I know that this is something that holds people back from potentially doing the other thing that they say they want, which is building muscle.
1: Right. Yeah. So, you know, unfortunately a lot of people are like stuck in this mindset where they think they can just indefinitely lose fat and gain muscle. Um, And so it's just has involved so much education and telling people that these are really two separate goals for the majority of us. Um, When I was bulking, after my injury, I was, I was totally fine with gaining weight. I knew that's what I wanted to do. Um, so it wasn't really, can I pause emotionally- there
0: for one second? Can I pause you? So you said, I'm totally fine with gaining weight. Um, that is, n- n- people don't know what, what that means. Like people that can't, comp- yeah. can't wrap their head around that. Would you say that you were okay losing weight? Uh, I'll let you answer. Why, why were you okay with losing weight or gaining weight? Sorry
1: gaining weight? Well, after I was injured, I, I, I was about 15 pounds less than I am now. And, um, it was just a very sad time. I, I looked sickly in my opinion, and, um, I had lost a lot of muscle. I was you know, I had somewhat of a nice, um, curves in my legs and glutes and just all of that was gone. So I, to me, it was it was just obvious that weight gain was what I was gonna need to get back to where I was. Um, I have never really been bothered by the scale. I know it's like it's hard to it's hard to teach women to be like that you know that's like a whole mindset thing that you you just have to like get over with time. but um, you know it's like if your goal is honestly to build muscle, you have to understand that, that's going to be adding to your current frame. You are not going to be gaining something yet like losing at the same time or staying the same weight. Um, You're not going to be gaining 100% pure muscle on your frame. You're not going to come out like shredded along the way. There's going to be a fat layer. Um, That's okay. That's normal. That's expected. Uh, We can lose that later down the road. So, um, you know, for people who are, getting ready to do it, I, I would probably suggest maybe purchasing a, a size bigger in clothing and having that ready to go. I myself, like, you know, I, I kind of did it along the way, but I was okay with the fact that I was like, oh, these are definitely getting tight. Um, I personally kind of like the way I look when my legs get a little bit bigger. So it was like, in my opinion, it was a good thing. It's like, what I'm doing is working. I'm eating, I'm properly training now. And I'm gaining weight. So this, this is working. We are moving in the right direction. This is a positive thing, you know? So it's like, if I was doing all these things and still staying 115 pounds, to me, that's like, (laughs) nothing's happening. So it, you know, it's a hard thing for women to grasp and be okay with. Um, but fat loss will always be there. And, you know, in general, as long as you're consistent and follow the plan, you can have pretty good results with fat loss. Muscle building on the other hand is, you know, a lot more time consuming, a lot longer, a lot more patience. So it's, um, you know, requires a lot more diligence in my opinion. Um, but yeah, it's having those. So like, I have a wide range of clothing. It's like, When I was in that stage last year, I was wearing a a size bigger than I am now. I cut in the fall, so now I'm kind of back down again to a a lower size. Right now, I don't know what I'm doing again, but I'm back to intuitive eating again, so it may lead into a little bit of a surplus. I don't know. Those clothes might move back into my life. It's like, you just got to be okay with your body's always changing and progressing for the better.
0: Yeah, I think that there's a couple things that stuck out to me. One is that like, so we have this question, initial question of like, how were you okay with gaining weight? How is that? How did you arrive at that mindset? And I think that's at least several things, but two main things stick out to me. One is that the you were on, you had the knowledge that you have this goal, which is building muscle, and by definition, you're adding, you're adding matter, like the, the parts of your body are growing, building new muscle proteins, building new uh, mm-hmm. tissue, and so that's going to that's going to weigh more. And so you, you understood. And this is like one part is like just understanding the the logic, the, the science of I'm building muscle yeah. and thus the word building <laughs> means I'm going to weigh more. So that's step one. Um, and you were like, okay, I understand that. And I still want it. And then number two is like, and you, you said, and we would all kind of say it a little bit nonchalantly of like, well, fat loss is always there. And, but that's tricky because you and I, and a lot of other folks would believe that they can lose the fat. And so you can go into it saying, you know, this isn't, let's say, I, you know, I understand I'm going to gain weight. I understand some of that weight's going to be fat. I understand I can get rid of that later if I want to, let's say. And that last yeah. part of like the belief is sometimes tricky for people because they're not as confident in saying, well, if I do put on fat that I can then lose it later. I think that that's a place you can get to. By obviously, having successful fat loss phases, but also understanding that, like like you said, putting in the work. There's a it's to some degree a mathematical equation that if you can adhere to it, you can see success. So it's not like a very abstract goal. Fat loss very easy to write it out. Let's say it's it's hard to adhere and transition. I'm not saying it's easy, but um, so I think that there's two main things that help people succeed in a building phase one is a reminder almost on a daily basis that this is what you want and this thing comes with the scale going up uh and then two is a belief that like this the same thing is not forever and so you can you will gain some fat um when the clothes thing what kills me with the clothes is like it's not your job to fit yourself into your clothes like it's okay you should be it's yes. not your job to fit yourself into your clothes if you don't fit if you need to buy a size bigger it's not a failure like it's your you, right it, we're talking about covering your body find something that covers your body that's it like right it, it, it's it's a little tricky because it's not so straightforward but it's not your job to fit yourself into your body it's your job to find clothes that fit you in your current state with your goal you going up a size it's so fucking it kills me because you going up a size I guarantee you going up one size, maybe go up two sizes, nobody notices that but you. And now it's frustrating when you're faced with those pair of jeans that don't fit um, or don't fit as nicely, let's say. But there's nothing wrong with putting on a size... Higher jeans. No, first of all, nobody in your life is going to notice. This literally zero wow. people will notice. Um, second, you've you signed up for this to some degree because we're in this thing for weight gain, for muscle gain, and you signed up for this. And this is something that you should have been at least n- known that was coming at some point. Um, and I just don't think there's anything wrong with that. Like when I'm when I'm really really lean, like I wear a medium shirt. That's serious. And mm-hmm. when I'm like 20 pounds heavier in a gain, like, I wear a large shirt. Like and. Right. So what? I know. Listen, I know that there's like women out there. It's like, oh, he's a man. It's not the same. Like, it's not fair. Like, it is it, not your job to fit into your clothes. Find a pair of clothes yeah. that fit you. And if you, you know, and it, I just I hate this. Like, oh, my clothes are snug, and thus I'm a failure. I understand the the like monetary thing of like, Oh, I don't want to have to buy it. Listen, if you're, if that's the angle you're coming from of like, I don't want to have to practically buy an old new wardrobe. Okay. That that's a totally you choice. And that goes back into the bucket of, is this worth it or not for you? But the emotion attached, like my, my jeans are snug. It's like, yeah. And are you, you can, I hate to, I hate to be so abrupt about it, but like, it's not, That's not why we're on this earth to like fit into a certain pair of clothes. Like you can buy a size higher and, or keep, like you said, keep a pair of clothes or, or lean more heavily on leggings. I know Jenna would say that she's like, listen, I'm in a gain phase. Like maybe I'm not wearing my like slick skinny jeans. Maybe I'm lean heavier on leggings and stuff. And so freaking what I feel more comfortable and that's what I care about more. So that, that, that I, I, you know, it, it all comes down to a pros and cons list that you make and you look at them and you're like, Do I want to do this or not? And if the answer is no, then that's great. But if the answer is yes, then there's no going back and feeling regret and feeling like if you want to. If I'm like, hey, you're going to build muscle. If you want to change your physique, this is how you're going to do it. You want more curves. You want a little more quad. You want a little bigger arms, but more. You want to be more toned. Whatever. Um, mm-hmm. You have to go through this period. And this period, you might not fit so perfectly into your clothes. You might see the scale go up a little bit. Um, but hey, look at all these. First of all, I'm not. I can't. I'm going to go on a huge rant. Although I've already been on a huge rant of like, if you list the pros, <laughs> if you list the pros and cons column of a muscle gain phase. The cons column is you're occasionally you are for the time being not your leanest. That's the cons column, right. and that's that's fair. Yeah,
1: that's it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. The pros column is endless, literally endless. Right. So we could talk hours on the on the pros. Every well, that's facet. why I stayed there yeah. for
1: so long, and yeah. I. I I was terrified of going into a deficit again and I, you know, I just wanted to see what I had revealed after doing that. So it was a good um it was a good experiment or whatever, but yeah, it's like I mean, how can you that's why I'm like how could you not want this? Like the gym energy, the food freedom, uh sleeping like a baby, uh just endless benefits to yeah. me. Yeah. It, I was terrified of losing that. Um, And even my deficit was short. It was eight weeks, but you know, I immediately felt weaker in the gym. Uh, My sleep was affected. I was waking up early and not falling back asleep. It was like, you know what? These things became not worth it for me. It was like, I don't need to get any leaner to sacrifice these things. I'm ready to go back to like killing it in the gym feeling confident, like the confidence you get from that is something that is irreplaceable. And, um, so yeah, it was like, it just, it became not worth it for me. Yeah. Um, but yeah, people get all hyped up about you know, the raising the clothes sizes, adding the two pounds on the scale. I'm like, put these pictures together, you know, a bunch of pictures of yourselves together at different weights, different size of clothing nobody knows the difference. You don't even know the difference probably. And it's, you know, it's not like you're going to be gaining tens and twenties of pounds of weight. If you, you know, like, I mean, you could, if you want, it could get, I mean, maybe more so for a male, of course, but it's like, it's still relatively
0: slow, whether, it, you know, I gained yeah. 25 pounds, but it was still over two years, you know, like we're right. talking, you it's know? like, yeah
1: we're not talking about gaining like some obscene amount of weight where people are like going to be looking at you and concerned what's going on. So, yeah. I mean, people just, they get dramatic about that. And again, you know, another thing is is that women's clothing sizes are so they're all over the place. It's like, you could be wearing an extra small in one brand and a medium in another, you know, like you just got to get over that. It's just another like arbitrary number type thing.
0: Yeah. That's an interesting point. And, and I'm to be respectful of your time. We're coming up, we got like five minutes left, but I want to ask just like, if you follow you and certainly if you've listened to the last hour of this podcast, you sound like an action taker, like a doer, like a, not like a just do it person because the, the but there is an element of that in the way you speak about your goals of like a, just do it. Maybe i I'm not going to put the words in your mouth, but like, ha, ha, what would you say to a lot of people who are like paralyzed? And they're like, in a, and I say that, I mean, they're in a state of indecision, a state of kind of wanting this, but not going for it, kind of wanting that and not going for it. Like, I'm not saying, I don't want you to necessarily speak directly to those people here, but what what, what would you say to those people that are having a real time, real hard time getting started?
1: Um. So basically I think the biggest mistake people make is that they, they try and go like too full force into things when they're creating a, you know, like a, a transformation goal in their head. It's like, It's okay to make small changes. All of the things I am doing now, I certainly was not doing, uh, five, six years ago when I first started, um, thinking that things need to be like, so extreme right from the get go is just crazy. It's like set small goals, attain them. And, and as you get, get it, get good at them, add more and move on. Um, you know. I have a lot of clients that they have never like touched weights or any of that. It's like, okay, let's start small here. Let's start with, you know, working on the nutrition, increasing some steps. And then as you get comfortable and good at that, and that doesn't feel so overwhelming, let's add some more, you know, it's like, if something is so opposite from the life you're living now, of course, you're never going to like stick with it. And you're not going to be consistent and you're not going to have progress. So it's just starting small, building upon that, adding more, getting good at things and just improving as time goes on.
0: Yeah, that's a really good one. I I will also give you another thing that I think you do really well is like just this, whether it's super conscious or super subconscious, this does what I'm about to say does not come naturally to people to be introspective and, and think about the goals they have and to think about the pros and the cons and to weigh those options. And I talk about this a ton. And so I'm not going to rant. If you listen to the podcast, you hear me rant on this every podcast, but like this evaluation of the pros and cons and conscious with, without regret decision-making where you're like, I don't need to do anything. I don't need to lose fat. I don't need to lose muscle. I list the pros and cons of pursuing this goal. If I look at that list and I think it's worth it, I go for it. If I don't, I don't go for it. But the, fucking worst place to be is this constant state of kind of thinking you want this thing, but every time you look at the pros and cons, you don't want to do it. And so you're living in this like purgatory of, I'd like to lose fat, mm-hmm. but I don't want to count my calories or I don't want to, you know, go modify my takeout order. Or, I don't want to, you know, and, and listen, there's a knowledge gap. Sometimes people don't know, but there's like, if you, you'll be way happier deciding you don't want to do something because you genuinely don't want to do that thing. Then you will pretending like you really want it. But at the same time, you know, in the back of your head, you don't want to do it. So what I think you do really well. is like, if I was like, Hey, why are you doing a building page? You're like, cause I want to build muscle. Cause I want to look more muscular. Cause I want to put some muscle on my legs. Cause I want to see some curves like whatever it is that you would answer. It's like, you would tell me because you want the end goal. And a lot of people I'd right. be like, well, okay. You know, do you want to do this thing? Do you want, and there's a lack of introspection of like sitting there. Um, I, I put up a little stupid like post yesterday about doing, uh, getting massage. And I, and I was like, listen, I think massage doesn't have any like practical recovery benefits, but one of the benefits of massage is like spending 60 minutes in silence with your own thoughts And every time I get a massage, I'm like, I catch myself very introspective thinking about things that I like, might not otherwise have had the time to think about. And I just feel like there's a moment to just sit, sit the hell down and think about what you actually say you want, dissect what it costs to do that thing and see if you want to do it. You don't have to do it. You don't have to do any of these things. These should all be like things that you are doing because you're choosing to do them. I don't know if that's like a privileged way of thinking about this, but the truth is that I don't think anybody has to lose weight. Nobody has to lose weight. Nobody has to be healthy if they don't want to. I'm not saying those two things are exactly the same, but I'm just two separate things. And so there is an element of like you you want to do these things and that it comes with cons that you have to be prepared for if you really want to do this. Anyway, that's the end of my rant on that for today.
1: Yeah. Yeah, just weighing out your options. I think it's important for people to always look at timelines when they're starting a new goal and to how – that's going to play into it and you know what sort of things do you have in your life in the coming weeks how is that going to mesh with with your goal is that going to you know affect adherence and being consistent maybe it's not a good time you know it's like everybody's jumping on this bandwagon at the first of the year to to lose weight they think they're supposed to do it and it's like you know does that really work out for you you it's you know, people really need to, I think, take a harder look at how these things fit into their own life and not doing them just because they think they're supposed to be doing them or everybody else is doing them.
0: Yeah. Excellent. All right. We're going to wrap it up there. Let everybody know where they can find you. If they don't follow you already, I'll plug and tag everything.
1: Okay. So, um, my Instagram is at the gym nurse. Um, I also have a website, which is, uh, the gym
0: Awesome. Amazing. Thank you so much for coming on. It was super fun to chat.
1: Yeah. Thank you, Jordan. Have a great day. You too.
0: Thanks for tuning in to this episode of where optimal meets practical. If you liked the episode, it would mean the world to me. If you posted a screenshot to your social media or left a five-star review on iTunes, that stuff really helps. If you ever want to get in touch with me, just shoot me a DM on Instagram at Jordan lips fitness. I'm always around to chat. Thanks guys. Have a good one.